0: Thank you. Welcome in to another great edition of Strong Style, our Impact Media-fueled show about MMA and pro wrestling. I am your host, Jeremy the Impact York. Hopefully, you guys remember me, or if this is your first time finding the show, welcome in. This is where I talk all things pro wrestling and MMA. Uh, big fight fan, long-time wrestling fan, but a long time, my entire life. Um. Lots of fun stuff we're going to get into, so without further ado, let's get into some of them. I'm going to start with wrestling this week. I know I start with MMA a lot. I am uh, uh, Today's episode is called Impress Me. I'm going to talk about some things that either impress me or that don't, and right off the bat when we talk about Raw, the fact that Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt are in the program that they are in impresses me. I am big fans of both. That That... That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to like or dislike the story arc that they're using. But I love this one. You're sometimes using the Fun House. You're sometimes using Alexa Bliss. Uh, It's just every time you turn around, there is a different wrinkle in this story arc. And they're doing a fantastic job. You got uh, sometimes Orton gets the upper hand. Sometimes Bray Wyatt does. It's the way they're playing this off highly impresses me where could what could you do with this story arc well this thing could go through the end of the year this thing could uh go to Royal Rumble which is uh what, late January i think that would be a good uh a time for the blow off match or and when i use lingo i'll try my best to remember to to uh uh let you guys know what some of this stuff is uh a blow off match is When there is a feud or a story or two or or a bunch of people involved, the blow off is supposed to be the the uh, the resolution. I don't want to say the ending because it it could it can actually spawn and pop up other places. But this would be the resolution. Um, And in fact, uh, here's an idea for I've always joked that WWE has uh, hidden microphones around me. And they actually listen and use some of my ideas, which is funny. They kind of do. I don't know that they listen to me, but, you know, I've watched enough wrestling to where sometimes I guess maybe I can uh, predict out loud what they may be about to do. Uh, but here's an idea. What if Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt, the resolution or the blowoff match, as we want to call it, uh, the resolution happens at Royal Rumble before the Rumble the one of the matches before the Royal Rumble, have the Royal Rumble be towards the end. And have one of these two win the Royal Rumble. And sometime in between there have the other one win the title. So that we get this rematch or we get the uh, the real resolution at WrestleMania because this is at least a co main event. If you throw a title in, it, it could be the the Last match, the main event. But uh, as far as what impresses me, I, I'm really impressed. Uh, you could you could call it the the blind squirrel finds the nut thing. You could call it. You know they're not going to hit everything. I mean it's it's just too hard to do, and I understand it. I'm not saying I'm not saying they do a terrible job because overall WWE does a good job of of being at least. Mostly entertaining. There's always a few things that I'm not going to like or that you're not going to like. It's going to happen. You can't like everything. But, highly impressed with that. Now, um, when Rusev left the company, uh, of course now he's on AEW for people, goes by Miro, for people who don't know. Or if you want to know what happened to him, you want to start watching AEW uh, on Wednesday nights, TNT. Uh, When he left, I really thought... That Lana, his uh, wife in real life, uh, would, would kind of get, God, I don't want really to use the word in my head, would um, not be treated favorably like uh, kind of a way to edge her out. To uh, kind of punish her for him leaving. You know, those kinds of things. And sometimes, you know, it happens. In the corporate world, it, it, trust me, it even happens in sports too, ladies and gentlemen. But. Instead, her in-ring work has gotten better to a point where they've actually gave her a decent push. They've been pairing her with, uh, Ashka, obviously the, the Raw Women's Champion. And they have been against Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, the Women's Tag Team Champions. They've kind of did this, this, uh, uh, weird little feud with them to which Ashka and Lana are actually getting the upper hand, which is, which is kind of interesting. Um. I think at some point they're going to split the other team but either way I'm impressed with Lana's work and and the uh the fact that she's in the major storyline on Raw with three other with three champions the three champions that are on the show it's uh it's impressive that's, that's, that's the best way to put it um I do have to say uh, as far as some of the other stuff on Raw, as I'm, as I'm looking through it here. Um Retribution, led by Mustafa Ali. I love, at, at first, I thought it was goofy and gimmicky. And then when they put Mustafa Ali in charge of them, okay, it's interesting. Um... What slapjack, T-bar, uh, Reckoning, who we all know as Mia Yim now, um, and I forgot the other guy in it, but uh, either way, I like them as a group. Um, I, but they, it's like they've they've uh, lost all the steam on the engine now. They kind of come in, they they kind of went at. The hurt business, and and that's a that's a whole different thing. I'm going to get into in a minute. And then now between the hurt business and them have have uh, kind of started going at Ricochet, uh, like they're both trying to double recruit him or or something. I, I don't know. It's for one, I, Ricochet doesn't need to be in any group, but it's like they started with so much promise. Retribution came in. Uh, they were—they had a chainsaw and cut the ring ropes. They uh, disrupted shows. They had people running like uh, the old NXT attacks. Back before NXT was a show, they were a group. They were the Nexus. That that whole thing. But it's—it's it's like they've kind of stalled out. Now, I kind of want them to pick up steam again because I really think there is a place not only in the on the show but in WWE for this kind of rebel group. And I think raw is that place at the moment, but it's, it's just like they, uh, they're just kind of paraded out as, um, as a sideshow at the moment. And I, and I feel like they could be a real, a real player each and every Monday night. Uh, let's see. Speaking of the hurt business, you had uh Shelton Benjamin who took on Kofi Kingston of, The New Day, Kofi won that one. It was a pretty good match, but Shelton ended up doing a pretty good number on him, to which the follow-up match, Cedric Alexander from the Hurt Business versus Kofi, Cedric just rolled him, just rolled him, which is interesting. Um, For one, Shelton doesn't really need the rub, and uh, Cedric, I wouldn't say he doesn't need it, but he's an up-and-coming guy that they really like. Uh, He did a lot of things out here in the Atlanta area before he went to Ring of Honor and then ultimately to WWE. Cedric's a a really good talent. And if you look at their group, the Hurt Business, it's set up different from almost any other uh, group of four there's been. You know, a lot of people use the Horseman or even Evolution if you want to go there. But the Horseman, you have the leader slash mouthpiece. That would be Flair. You have the dominant tag team. At the time, that would have been uh, Tully Blanchard and Anderson. And then you usually have uh, either the up-and-comer or the the freelance bruiser. Um, You know, later on, they used Sid Vicious, and and, uh, at, at one point it was, like with Evolution, you had, or better yet, let's go DX. Let's go DX. So out front, you had Shawn Michaels, who was also mm, pretty much the mouthpiece. You had the New Age Outlaws, who were the tag team that you had to deal with, dominant tag team. The kind of up-and-comer slash uh, big bruiser was Triple H. China was a wild card in the whole thing, but that's usually what you go to. You know, usually the leader is the mouthpiece. Well, with the herd business... You would think Bobby Lashley is the is uh, the leader of this, but actually, I would argue that MVP, while maybe not being the most talented person in the group, ah, he's, he's right there with him, but I would almost argue that MVP is your mouthpiece, and he is your your um, somewhat de facto leader. Your up-and-comer slash big bruiser, or on-his-way-up type guy, that's Bobby Lashley, one of the baddest men on the planet. One men on the planet for sure. Whether you're in an MMA gym, whether you're in a uh, pro wrestling gym, whether you're probably in line at Starbucks, Bobby Lashley's bad, bad dude. And then you get your tag team, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. Good tag team. The Hurt business are, have really got a good thing going. And they're another that they're another piece that could be a prominent. almost pillar of Monday Night Raw each week. But here lately, they've kind of taken a little bit of a backseat as well, just like Retribution. So I'm kind of interested to see uh, if they're kind of all going to do their own thing, like the tag team does their own thing. Uh, Maybe MVP just comes out with Lashley and Lashley goes on a U.S. title run or maybe even a world title run. But the Business is is definitely a group. They're impressive. They're impressive. I I will give them that. And let's see. Not much else really happened this week on Raw that was uh, just just super amazing. So uh, I mean, AJ is is in with the Miz and Morrison, and and they're kind of going at McIntyre and Sheamus. Uh, the Money in the Bank briefcases with Miz. You're pretty much caught up on the shenanigans of that. I think Raw tonight opened up with some sort of form of of those mix of people I haven't seen it yet so we will um we'll see where that goes for next week uh let's go to impact wrestling because there is gonna no better yet i'm gonna i'm gonna do all the wwe because there's a reason why i'm gonna leave impact wrestling and aew because they there's something going on uh nxt of course this is the post war games I'm gonna call my little rant real quick on that. War games. War games is uh, a cage around two rings that are set next to each other. Uh, there's a lot of carnage and chaos. Um, at some point, occasionally, just like this year, they find ways outside the cage. And they destroy even more things. But every time war games happens, there is a huge, huge set of injuries, and people just get dinged up and nicked up and At some point, I got to wonder if it's worth it to keep having war games when not everybody makes it through it. And I'm not talking about who wins or who loses. I'm talking about like this year, the Undisputed Era, who I know I call the Attitude Era, but the Undisputed Era Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong. For people that are fans of theirs, you remember them all from uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan. They've all been all over the place. Uh, but those four took on Pat McAfee, Oni Lorkin, Danny Birch, and Pete Dunn. That's his name. Yeah, Pete Dunn. Uh, obviously, we we got to see that. Pat McAfee can hold his own in a wrestling ring. He's impressive. He can do some flashy stuff, but he can he can hold his own. But Bobby Fish, I think two thirds way through the match, did a move where he ran. He was uh, the where the the two aprons meet in the middle of the two rings, where the two rings are set next to each other. He ran and uh, kind of speared somebody through like a a table or or something of some kind. And uh, pretty much tore, I believe, his tricep off his arm. And so, the day following the pay-per-view, he had surgery. He is going to be out for a little bit. And then you look on the women's side. And I'm not going to go through all the people that were on the women's side. But uh, I'll tell you right now that Candice LeRae, well, she's she's uh, not going to be in read action for a little while. She's She's been in the ring, but she can't. Uh, Physicality, because uh, she she royally hurt her arm. I think she broke her wrist. or It it was something like that. Um, Dakota Kai, her teammate, and another just superb talent. She's so dinged up, she couldn't even show up this week on NXT. I don't fault her at all, no. She's not cleared for action, so they said stay home. Um... I think because of this is why Raquel Gonzalez is getting the, uh, the push-up to take on Io Shirai. It's not that I don't think she's ready or anything like that. It's just uh, of all the other people that had big momentum, when they're all dinged up or out, well, Raquel, you get the shot. So, you know, make the most of it. I just I don't know that it's – I just I don't feel that some of these matches are like war games and, and – uh, Okay, Elimination Chamber, maybe, because they do it once a year. I know War Games is once a year, but it just seems like these big carnage matches, all you do is just break the talent. I think you do a lot safer, more productive things than some of these matches, knowing the casualties you're going to have. And so that's kind of my piece on War Games. Um, You know, I'm a fan of it, just like you guys are, but I just, at some point... I, you gotta consider if it's worth it, and that's that's just where I'll I'll go with that. But uh, to open this up, Ben Balor comes out and he says, "War Games is over. Uh, team teammate crap is over." I'm paraphrasing, he says, "I'm the champ. It's time to uh, worry about solo things." Because he he wasn't War Games. He's been dinged up ever since him and Kylo uh dang near hospitalized each other, and, and for the most part, they kind of did. Now, Finn comes out. And he says, It's about solo things now. So, uh, Pete Dunn comes out. Pete Dunn may be one of the fattest dudes on the planet. He's on a super high run. Even though he was on the losing team at War Games, nobody really considers him as a loser from that contest. In fact, I'd say none of them are. But he comes out and he says, All right, Finn. Why don't, why don't we go? I I got you. Then Kyle O'Reilly comes out and goes, hey, don't forget about me. Uh, I put you in the hospital. All right, another fair point. Damien Priest comes out and uh, says, uh, I'm kind of available. I'd take you guys on too. And uh, the three of them start arguing. Ben starts to walk off to which Priest turns around and goes, where are you going? He's like, uh, I'm not here to make matches. I'm here to fight fights, basically. Defend this title. That's uh, that's William Regal's job to put this match together. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but Scarlet comes back. Now, at War Games, there was a video package showing us a carrying Cross. and very, very close to coming back. It's going to be great. Damien Priest kind of... Uh, I don't know, kind of berates Scarlet a little bit. Says, "Uh, tell Carrion, if you need something to do, I'm right here. Uh, you shouldn't hide in the car. Shouldn't wait in the car. That'll play in a minute. Uh, other things on NX. I will, I will get into. Oh, I'm just going to tell you. At the end of the show, Damian Priest, well, he gets his answer because Carrion Cross leaves Scarlet waiting in the car, and comes in and just obliterates him. Just obliterates Damien Priest. So, if you tell me that it's going to be Priest and Cross, and more than likely, if Cross comes out of that, he would be back in the the title picture. I'm good with that. Uh, Finn Balor carrying Cross, I think, would be excellent. But, uh, we'll see. Or even if Damien Priest emerges from that. My only thing is, is the Priest just lost. And he lost a title match. It wasn't the big title, but it was the North American Championship in NXT. So for him to all of a sudden break free and, and be up at the top, eh, kind of fishy. All right, kind of fishy. Uh, other things in NXT that I want you to know about. Um, looks like the Grizzled Young Vets are back, and they're on a big tear. They beat Ever and Imperium. Big fan of Imperium. I, I very much like that tag team. Uh, the Grizzle Young Vets, They remind me of the All Night Express from Ring of Honor a little bit, and that's uh, it's definitely a good thing. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa took on Cameron Grimes and just wallered him. Just just wallered him. And uh, Cam Grimes is good, but even with T- Timothy Thatcher watching, Tommaso Ciampa put on a put on a pretty good show there. And uh, it looks like their program is going to continue to go. And, and I don't have a problem with it. Thatcher is very William Regal-like as far as big bruiser. Uh, just wear you out with, with holds and, and things like that. And Tommaso Ciampa, just probably one of the better wrestlers in the world right now. Uh, Let's see. Johnny Gargano, a.k.a. Johnny Wrestling, his real-life wife, Candice LeRae, uh, their accomplice, Indy Hartwell, and their new accomplice, Austin Theory. I like this group. I like this group. It's weird that it's two guys and two girls, but hey, it works because they can all help each other. And this leads me into another point that I want to make, and that is that Johnny Gargano is the new North American champ. He is the first three-time North American champ. I think he is the only person to ever win it twice as well. When I first saw Gargano, when I first saw Tommaso Ciampo, I didn't get it. And everybody had told me how great they were, and oh, they're so excellent, this and that. And then I saw them, I just, I, I didn't see them in the right, I didn't see them in the right setup, I guess, to to understand what they really. they're really all about. The more that I've kind of learned about them over the years, they grow on you, and they grow on you, and they grow on you. And so, somebody asked me the other day, what's your take on Gargano? Is it the uh, North American champ? I think it's excellent. Because I, I treat the North American championship like many do the U.S. or Intercontinental or whatever uh, not main title, singles title there is. I think if you're the North American champion, this is the company saying you are one of the best wrestlers, we'll go ahead and say it in the world, but definitely on this show, you're one of the best wrestlers, and we want you to have the, the best wrestler championship, which is usually what the, I hate to say secondary, but what the not world or not heavyweight title is. And for Johnny Gargano to have it, I'm 100% behind that. Johnny Wrestling, they don't call him Johnny Wrestling because it's just a nickname he gave himself. He can out-wrestle so many people. And I will even give him this. I doubt he'll even hear this show. But if somebody wanted to pass along this message or if he happens to hear it, I'm not just saying this to get your attention Johnny. To me, Johnny Wrestling has a lot in common With one American Dragon, Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan. That's how you guys will know him. And here's why. Um, On the indie scene, initially, he was uh, just a short, skinny kid with a goofy haircut and not, not even a reputation. And then he starts to wrestle people. And then he wrestles better people. And then he wrestles better people. To where, finally, he's traveling the world. Wrestling the biggest, baddest wrestlers out. And I'm not talking cruiserweights. I'm talking the best wrestlers in the world. And then he gets to WWE and he has to find his footing. And he finds his footing and he gets a good boost up. And then he gets pushed back down. And then he perseveres into the form that he's in right now. Gargano is on top of his game because just like Daniel Bryan, he is using the part of his personality that makes, they always say that the, in wrestling, your personality turned up to 11 is usually your best character gimmick, whatever you want to call it. I think when you take this part of Johnny and turn it up to 11, you get this evil, maniacal, will do anything, say anything, get the help of anybody, whatever he's got to do to win and to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish, whether that's the help from his wife, whether that's Andy Hartwell, whether that's Austin Theory, whether that's William Regal, whether that's me, whether that's you, it doesn't matter. He's going to do what he has to do to get it done. And for everybody that says, well, he only does that because you know he's he's 5'8, 5'9, or what it doesn't matter how tall he is. He could be 7'10 for all that matters. He's not doing it to make up for a height discrepancy. He uses all those other ways to win because he wants to win and he wants to accomplish. Because even when you cut all that away, he still out wrestles almost every opponent he goes against. He goes toe-to-toe. I mean, it doesn't matter who he's went against. Johnny Gargano is called Johnny Wrestling because he's one of the best things in wrestling right now. One of the best things. So, you hear that, Johnny? I 100% applaud that you were the North American champion. And I look forward to seeing what you could do from here. I think you uh, you should have a pretty good title run and If and when the day comes where you are going to drop it, I think it should be because you're going for the World Championship. I very much think that's the direction they should go. But that's kind of my piece on on Gargano. And and if you don't know who I'm talking about, uh, watch NXT on Wednesdays. And and I'm not just plugging these shows, because they obviously are not paying me to do this show. But... He is one of the reasons for sure to tune in, whether he is just on a microphone or whether he's against anybody on the roster. He has these gears he can turn into and turn on that just make him rise above everybody else. Uh let's see. Oh, last thing Well, last two things. It happened on uh, NXT this week. Uh, Pete Dunn beat Killian Dane, which is something, because Pete Dunn is a a smaller guy as well. I told you he's one of the baddest dudes on the planet. And Killian Dain looks like a Viking pulled straight out of history. And he has no slouch at all. But uh, Pete Dunn wins there. I think they're pushing him. I think it's going to be him and Finn Balor eventually. And then... Oh, and then uh, Raquel Gonzalez beat Ember Moon, the returning Ember Moon. You know, she's only been back a handful of weeks. But for Gonzalez to get the, the win over Ember Moon, that helps cement her to be considered for uh, that title shot against Io Shirai that I believe she has coming up. You know, should be fun. Uh, Ring of Honor, because like I said, oh, SmackDown. Not much on SmackDown. There's, they got some weird storylines. For everything that Raw is getting right, Smackdown is weird, and and I know the people that they have in charge of it now, and it, it should be better. I I don't know if injuries or other things are are messing with them, but I don't know if something's going on. But uh, the street profits took on, or actually Dolph took on Martez Ford, Montez Ford, to which Dolph won that one. Um. I think at some point the Street Profits should drop the titles to, to Dolph and Rude because the Street Profits are more about their their gimmicky stuff and their their uh they identify more with the fans and get people more riled up and they don't necessarily need the titles. It's fun that they were champs, but move it to move it to to Rude and Dolph makes better sense to me because I think there's more good teams that could chase them than bad you know, evil teams that can chase the Profits. Uh, let's see. Sammy Zayn took on Big E. Uh, Sammy is another guy that, that, uh, like Gargano, does what he has to to win. He gets Big E counted out, actually, because he, uh, runs all around underneath the ring. And then, uh, when Big E sticks his head out, he kind of stomps on him for a minute. And as he stomps on him, uh... Uh, he jumps in at the nine count and and gets the victory there. And Sammy's another one that can he can wrestle his butt off. And then if he starts trying to manipulate and do these kinds of things, it it's it's hard to beat him. Uh, we got this whole storyline where Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, and and uh, Kevin Owens. I, I think at some point I hope Kevin Owens beats Roman Reigns because Roman can use that as a, a, a step back to to regroup and his, his whole head of the table thing. He could have both Usos with him uh, if he wanted to. It He needs to build it up more before being the champion is is my take on that. I think Roman is the champion and trying to be this head of the table thing. It's it's hard for him to build it, and I would rather him build it It's something he can do for the next couple of years instead of something he can do until the end of the year which feels like most things um it seems like even though they split Peyton Royce and Billy K seems like they're going to put them back together which makes no sense cuz they had that match where if they lost they had to split um and then it looks like at some point, uh, you know, they had Chad Gable and Otis are together, and that didn't seem to pan out. It looks like Otis and 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 uh, Tucker maybe put back together. I, I, and I, I really think the reason why they're doing that is because Otis was a money in the bank champ. I think they had some ideas, and then they have talked themselves out of the ideas. That's why the Miz took the briefcase from him, and now that the, that he's not on the Money in the Bank cash-in kind of path. They don't really have anything for Otis to do because Dolph moved on. Um, Mandy Rose is on a different show, which was kind of his love interest. They kind of took away all Otis's toys and then wondered why he just sat there. What was he supposed to do? He took away all the toys. So it looks like they might put them back together. Uh, Once again, Dolph and Rude versus Heavy Machinery. That should be pretty good. There's some other stuff you could do. Uh, I want Chad Gable to do something. I, I don't know what. Um, there there's some people you could pair him with It would be nice. He's a decent talent, and, and he's got a personality that does come out, but it just seems like he's just a castaway just jobber. People don't know who a jobber is. Jobber is the guy that uh, used to be just the paid talent that would come in just to lose all the time. It just the guy that gets ran over usually doesn't get a whole lot in, just kind of just there. I think he could be more than that, a little more than that. But um, Cesaro and, and Shinsuke Nakamura seem to be still the dominant tag team. Seems like whatever team Cesaro is in is the dominant tag team. Um, and they're kind of doing some good stuff. I wouldn't mind if they split these two and, and had them going solo pass for a little while. You can always bring them back together later. But it it just seems like if the Street Profits are going to roll over Dolphin and and Robert Roode, then maybe Cesaro and Shinsuke should take them back and do something with them then. But uh, beyond that, you got Sasha and and Carmella that have this this, kind of rivalry going. Carmella with the the new look. It's kind of nice that she updated her look. Her other one was fine. Just uh, she had to do something after coming back from injury and then and, and, uh, the uh, virus stuff and all. I don't think she had the virus, but a lot of them, a, a handful of talents, including Roman, had opted out for a while to uh, stay with family. And because of health issues of those around them, it made total sense. But that was kind of SmackDown. Yeah. And the Ring of Honor uh, Final Battle is coming up this Friday. Uh, I guess a pretty good match is coming up with that. Um, I'm, I, I guess I guess Jay Briscoe is hurt because uh, Mark Briscoe and PCO teamed up to take on the Bouncers, which are a very credible team. And uh looks like Briscoe and PCO, they get the win there. Looks like they're propelling them to uh, be a tag team force and and uh, maybe go after, and they're, well, not maybe, they are going after the tag team titles. And it would be weird because if they win them, what happens when Jay Briscoe comes back and his brother's a tag team champion with somebody else? Maybe that's the point. Or maybe he's injured and they're just doing it for a while just to do something different. Who knows? But uh, I like that Mike Bennett, I've talked about that before, Mike Bennett is back as part of the uh, the two-man kingdom as, uh, as uh, they're kind of doing some things as well with, with Vincent. And and uh, they got some cool stuff going in Ring of Honor. I'll put it that way at the moment. Uh, Josh Woods, who has been on a pretty good tear lately between the tournament, the Pure Tournament, and some other things. He got some pretty good wins, including one over Jay Lethal uh, a couple weeks ago that was nice. And then they had Flip Gordon come back, and they had a Pure-style match, and Flip Gordon... I won in about 10 minutes, 10 to the 15 minutes. It was a good match. I just I didn't understand. You built up Josh for all this stuff, and then you, you had Flip come in, and and I know it's because Flip is going for the world title and, and or for the pure title. I, I think he's the number one contender for both because he was away. He wasn't invited to be in the other tournament, even though he's a pure style wrestler. He did some good stuff, though. That's kind of what they're gearing up for. Final battle coming up this weekend. We'll we'll see what they do. That's that's kind of their their last of the year resolution type stuff. And then obviously everybody will reset for January. But now let me get into NXT and AEW. And I will I'm gonna go through both shows and then I'm gonna talk about the tie in because I'm gonna to try to make sense of it. It's a big try. Okay, so AEW you, it opens with the Young Bucks versus Hybrid Two, which is which is uh, Jack Evans and and Helico. Good match. Good. I mean these these four know how to work. They know how to put on a show. It was it was great. Uh, and then at the end, the Acclaimed, who are the up and coming young tag team that they have just signed, kind of got involved, and then FCU come out. So we kind of got a, a four team thing going on there. That, that should be interesting to see how that turns out. Um, Sting came out and actually talked. Now, first, he got Tony Schiavone to just say, Sting, in the way he says, I can't say it like Tony does. It's it's just fantastic. It's He's always said it that way, just so excited. But uh, Cody was in the ring with Schiavone. Sting comes out and uh, Cody's like, hey, welcome. Glad you're here. And Sting goes, yeah, it's good to see you, man. It's stuff like that. And then he goes, Basically he says, Cody, I'm not in AEW for you. Uh people took it as kind of a slight I don't think it was. It's his way of saying, Yeah, we could face down the road, but I'm here to take care of a few things first. Be interesting to see what those things are. Uh, a lot of people think him and Darby Allen are on a crash course or that he's mentoring him or I don't know, he might be. But I'm I'm curious to see who they have sting kind of matched up for them. because as I've said on another show previous show, when I first saw sting show up a couple of weeks ago, the first thing that popped in my head was how did he get his WWE release? Because WWE planned to make a lot of money off of him, even though he couldn't wrestle or he wasn't going to wrestle anymore. Thanks to the Seth Rollins. Um, injury during that match. But apparently Sting is is cleared. I don't know if he's cleared to be in the ring, but he says he's here. It's not for Cody. So I guess we're going to find out pretty soon what exactly he's here for. Uh, FTR had a pretty good match with the the Varsity Blondes, as they're calling themselves. That's Rick Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, Pillman Jr. is a little thicker version of his dad. Um, doesn't seem like he has all the personality that that Flying Brian had, but Kid's got some talent. and Him and Rick Garrison are a pretty good team. Uh, just FTR is one of the best on the planet, and it's good to see him back in action. Uh, number ten from the Dark Order took on Dustin Rhodes, and after Dustin wiped the floor with him, Dark Order made him an offer to join them, and he pretty much said hell no. It, he doesn't need to be in that. So that that could be a thing going on down the road. Um, you have the Shaq Brandy Rhodes thing, you know, because a couple of weeks ago, uh, some girl showed up, talked crap to Brandy, and then they attacked her in the back and stuff like that. And so, and uh, the girl said Shaq's name. And so Shaq showed up this week and they were, they were in a, behind the scenes thing and I mean uh behind you know they're all interview area. And I don't know, Brandy gets a little perturbed. She gets up, she grabs a glass of water and, and dumps it on Shaq's head. Looks like to me Cody and Shaq are gonna have a thing coming up soon and that could be fun. That could be a lot of fun. Uh let's see, what else was there? Yeah, Jericho and the inner circle, they're trying to repair their kind of fractured relationship. And I i don't know if they will or not. I, I think they'll they will kind of keep it together for a little while. But eventually, I think they'll split. Um, what else was there? It was a six-man tag at the end where the Butcher, Blade, and uh, Eddie Kingston all took on uh, Lance Archer, Ray Phoenix, and Pentagon Jr. Pentagon seemed to get dinged up pretty early in the match where he w- it looked like his, his ankle or his lower leg, and he was helped to the back pretty quickly. It became a three-on-two. Uh, Phoenix took the ball as Blade pinned him. Abaddon seems like she is going to be the new number one contender in the women's division versus uh Kikaru Shida. I'm a big Sheeta fan, but at some point you're going to have to move the title off. over. I don't think Abaddon is the person to do that. I think they should sign Tessa Blanchard and that should be who does it. And then MJF beat Orange Cassidy to retain the Lucky Ring Dice, something, whatever gimmicky thing that he won like last year. I don't know. So. But either way, MJF versus Cassidy, by far one of the best matches of the week anywhere. There's we a move to Impact Wrestling, which was on Tuesday. Because there's a carryover, and it's, I'm going to get into that. Um, you had Saban, who beat Josh Alexander. I, I, I think the North is going to get split up, because I believe... Uh, not Josh Alexander, but the uh, the Ethan Page. I believe his contract's coming up, and I don't know that he's going to stay with the company, so we're going to kind of see that implode a little bit, uh, and, and we kind of have in the last couple weeks. But uh, they're a really good team. I kind of wish they'd keep them, but, you know, it happened. People move on. Uh, there was a weird commercial, which also went with... Better yet, I'll talk about the other stuff, and then I'll come back into that. Uh, Brian Myers over TJP. I'm glad they're pushing Myers a little bit. TJP has been it's just a fantastic worker, though. Um, Eric Young dropped Cody Deaner like a bad habit. Him and Joe Doring could be an interesting team going forward. Uh, Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary beat Kimberly and Deanna Peraza to advance in the women's tag team title picture. I think they've got to be the favorite. Because they're, they're already two of the best wrestlers in the company. Then he put them together as a team. It'd be pretty hard to beat them. Uh, Chris Bay and Moose beat Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Uh, Chris Bay took on Rich Swan. I want to say he won the world title over the weekend. But uh, it, it was uh, Chris Bay who got the, the win in this one over Willie Mack. And then... Let's do the tie-in. Here's the tie-in. All right, a couple weeks ago, John Moxley, through underhanded means, thanks to Don Callis, a microphone, and Don Callis, who is a Impact Wrestling executive, he's he's a uh, part of them. He came over to call the Kenny Omega John Moxley fight uh, match because if uh, Kenny won him over there. And they claim this whole thing is like years in the making, what I'm getting into. So Omega uses a microphone to bust open John Moxley when the referee's not looking that Don Callis had thrown to him when he fell down. To which um, he ends up doing the one winged angel, a bunch of V triggers. Kenny Omega, your new AEW champion. Okay. First of all, let's go behind the curtain. John Moxley helped carry this company. Here's the champions that AEW's have Jericho, John Moxley. They have helped shape and just propel AEW to the forefront with, uh, with their title reigns and, and the things that they bring to the table when being the champ. Well, Moxley is going to have to go to Japan pretty soon because New Japan Pro Wrestling. Is starting to tape some of their uh, shows and, and starting to uh, put on a lot more, start to put out a lot more content. And he's one of their champions and one of their big featured players right now because people like the Young Bucks and Omega and Hangman Page all left. So Moxie's got to go back over there. So he was going to drop the title anyway. Dropping it to Omega makes total sense. He's a big independent big dog. Even people who don't know him have probably heard of him. Omega's champ makes total sense. And if I told you the the three first and only champs at AEW were Jericho, Moxley, Omega, you'd go, they're doing pretty good. Anyway, so he wins. So on the way out, they they blow past Tony Khan, who is uh, one of the executive producers and owners of AEW. He's the only non-wrestler on the board. Once again, he is the son of Shad Khan. They both own and control the Jaguars. That's why everything's in Jacksonville right now for AEW. But uh they go all the way to the back. They they go to get in a car. The uh, one of the backstage interview people say, hey, 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 what, what is all this? And Don Callis says, You'll hear you'll hear more about this, or you'll hear the answers to your questions uh next Tuesday. this was on Wednesday, next Tuesday. And the guy says, Well, AEW's on Wednesday, and he goes, I know, Impact Wrestling, Tuesday. So then we'll go to Impact Wrestling from uh last week. And in Impact Wrestling, Omega and Don Callis show up. Josh Matthews goes to their bus to interview them. Uh, Omega says a couple things here and there, nothing that it's really worth repeating. And Don Callis just continues to talk in circles, talk in circles, and say, if you want to hear more, pay attention tomorrow night on AEW. All right, well, then AEW happens. This was this past uh, week, these two things here. And uh, so they come back, and they still continue to kind of talk in circles. And Omega kind of here and there. And I don't know where they're going with this. They're... There was a rumor that Tony Khan had bought Impact Wrestling. I have not found anything to confirm nor deny this, so I'm pretty sure he didn't do it. Because merging these two companies would be dumb. There'd be a lot of people that are going to lose their job. Uh, But the crossover appeal, the reason why crossovers haven't happened over the years is this very reason. A lot of people used to say, I don't know why Sting and Undertaker couldn't have fought each other. Well, they were in different companies. WCW didn't want Sting to take on Undertaker and Undertaker win because then their guy looks weak. And WWF, WWE, didn't want the Undertaker to take on Sting and lose to Sting because then the Undertaker looks weak and their company looks weak. And it's just, there's no good way to do that sort of thing. A lot of times when you do crossover events like Ring of Honor and New Japan have done before, then you might have a New Japan guy win uh, the 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 smaller title, like I was talking about earlier with the North American champ, or a tag title or thing like that, and then you would have Ring of Honor, one of their big guys, uh, win something big on the other side, maybe a big tournament, and, and you kind of do that. You usually don't do big titles. You usually don't do things like that. Omega going back and forth, you got to think. If he goes to Impact Wrestling, whether it's Chris Bay or whether it's Rich Swan, he could beat both of them, probably blindfolded with one arm. And that's nothing personal there. He's super talented, but Kenny Omega's a legend. So then you start looking around. Well, who would make a good matchup for him? Well, Eric Young's one. Um, let's just go with Eric Young. Eric Young is probably the one you would have to look at, and and say that is something I would I would uh, pay money to see. Uh, you know, not to be outdone on Impact Wrestling, there was like a ten minute, like a five minute commercial. They had Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone talking on it in the middle of Impact Wrestling, which is which tells me that I don't know if it's a takeover type thing, if it's if they're merging, if they're just doing a, a back and forth. But so far, the only people to cross over were Omega, Callus, Tony Khan, and Tony Schiavone. I have no idea. I refuse to read the dirt sheets about this. Uh, Dirt sheets, for people who don't know, are the online forums that actually, a lot of times, have insight as to what's going on if you're reading the right ones. And it's not just rumors. So, you know, I refuse to read those to know the simple answer. I'm just going to have to keep watching like you guys and try to figure out what's going on. And hopefully... At some point, they'll shed some light on it. Uh, Like I said, the crossover potential, it just, I I don't know why Omega would go to Impact Wrestling, but I guess we'll just have to see. Maybe they're going to do some talent exchange soon. Maybe they're going to, you know, run the companies like as though they are Raw and SmackDown and NXT or something, you know. Who knows? I sure don't. But this whole uh, Omega crossover has me just as baffled as it does you guys. Hopefully we can make some sense of it soon. Now let's go to MMA. Let's go to MMA. Um, People who have impressed me with their performances in the last couple weeks, I would have to say that uh, Jamal Hill, what he did to OSP was just crazy. The the TKO in, in round number two, exceptional. That's what you're supposed to do in a co-main event is impress. I think he did that. Uh, I'm not going to say I feel bad for Jack Hermanson. Jack the Joker. But he's geared up. He finally gets a big-time fight. And then the guy has to drop because of injury or COVID or whatever it was. So he's just like, find me an opponent. I, I want to fight. I'm already ready to go. Uh, you know, Let's do it. Well, who do they find? Because Hermanson is number four. Well, they find the number 13, Marvin Vittori. And Vittori brings it to him. This was one of my favorite fights of probably the last couple months. These two, I see one of because we're going to talk about another one. These two uh, put on a good show. Um, it seemed like Jack was, you know how you can almost wear yourself out, you're so ready? That's what he looked like. He didn't look tired or fatigued, but it looked like, hey, I had already, you know, like a relief pitcher. A lot of people are like, well, I don't understand. He throws a few warm-ups and he comes in. Well, if he's warmed up three or four times already, he can actually wear himself out to where he's ineffective when he comes in. And I think that's what happened to Joker Jack, but I don't want to take away from Marvin Vittori, who earned it. And I I think at some point, Vittori should take on one other, you know, top five, top six guy. He wins that one. I think he's in the title picture. I think he proved that there's just... More to him than than just a guy. Elsewhere in UFC, over the weekend, we had, uh, I mean, just, this was one of the most solid cards. And yeah, it was UFC 256. But even if it would have been a fight night, this card was loaded. You had Chase Hooper with the, the uh, big submission on Peter Barrett. You had Mackenzie Dern continue to just plow through the division as she took on uh, Jandaroba, got the unanimous decision win there. Mackenzie Dern, man, she she is lighting the world on fire. You had the returning Cub Swanson, who had the KO in round number two. That was, man, that was so much fun to watch. Uh, Daniel Panetta's no joke either, but Cub Swanson was like, hey, remember me? We sure do, Cub, we sure do. Uh, Tisha Torres had the, uh, the, the TKO doctor stoppage after the first round uh it's because she was taking on sam hughes and sam hughes admitted to one of her trainers that uh, she couldn't see real well out of her left eye to which he he immediately made the cutoff signal and the doctor come in and he checked the eye out and said yeah you're done and she was like no no and they're like yeah yeah you're done and she's like okay she accepted it uh matisha torres looked exceptional she looked back in form the form that is going to really put the world on notice. She's going to jump up the charts soon as well. Uh yet Raphael Fiziev this dude man his KO in round 1. He just uh uh Morcano just he never saw it coming and and uh Fiziev set him up and dropped him. It was just crazy. Uh JDS gets another, gets KO'd again, gets dropped again. I think it's, I hate it, but it's getting close to the time when we have to look at Junior Dos Santos and go, how much longer do you want to do this before it gets bad? I think you can still fight, I think you can still compete. But uh, Cyril Ganey, man, he, he brought it. He brought it and he said, I don't care if you're Junior Dos Santos, I don't care if you're Junior Mint. I don't care if you're junior, junior. It doesn't matter. It's my day. Uh, Kevin Holland with the big KO in round number one versus Ronaldo Souza. Kevin Holland, man, he, he's another guy. You better watch him. He's going to be in a big time, another big time fight probably in the next couple months, and he is that guy, one of those guys to watch. Uh, yeah, had Tony Ferguson, who took on uh, Charles Oliveira. Olivera gets the unanimous decision. What happened to Tony? What happened to Tony? He's he's uh, lost his last two fights. Um, I, I don't put all the blame on him from his last one because he got beat by just like uh, Jacker Manson did. Got beat by uh, a late minute stand-in. He wasn't. I think he was overtrained at that point. But in this fight, him and Oliveira had the same amount, and yet. Olivera found a way to win that one. And then, in what is being dubbed, possibly the fight of the year, even though I, I would say uh, Joanna versus, gosh, forgot her name, from like March, the fight that got me back into watching MMA, uh, yeah, that's probably fight of the year in my opinion, but uh, what Devis Figueredo and Brandon Moreno did, they put on a five-round clinic. Five-round clinic. And they go to a split decision. In a split, a split down the middle. So, Dana goes, you know what? We're going to let these guys heal up. We might run this back. A.K.A., we're going to see this again. And we should. For people who said Brandon Moreno is not ready for the big time. Yeah, he just took Figueredo to the limit. And a lot of people say, well, Figueroa would have won had he not had that point deducted, uh, that that was controversial. No, it's, it was a controversial. Jason Herzog, I think it's Jason, Herzog, the referee, made the right call. The low blow on Moreno, while it may have been incidental, with the force... And everything, the way it was, that it's the referee's decision whether he wants to give a warning. He can give 100 warnings, or he can not give any warnings. It was up to him, to which he said, or the way he said it, was that. It could have been incidental, but it changed the course of the fight. Uh, Brandon Moreno was was, uh, coughing for a good bit as he was trying to uh, get his bearings together and other things together and it could have changed the course of this fight and it actually did cuz Moreno got up and he was he was a fireball at that point. Uh, I don't think he was mad but he was he pushed it all into really taking Devison to the limit. And like I said that for the flyweight division, this is a division that at the beginning of this year they weren't sure if they were going to keep it around. And these guys have put it on put them on the map. And so that just leads to what's coming up. And that's the final event of the year for the UFC. Uh, It's going to be UFC Fight Night. I believe it is on Friday. Right now they have about 15 fights, I think, lined up. Um, Some of the ones that I am looking looking into... um, uh, Sahara Eubanks against... Uh, Penny Kienzad, Those two ladies are going to go It's going to be great Uh, Bilal Muhammad is going to take on Diego Lima That one is going to be fantastic You get the main card Anthony Pettis Alex Morano You get Jillian Robertson Versus uh, Talis Santos See, there was another one before I get oh <laughs> here's the co main event. This is the main event any other day but today. You get you get Josie Aldo taking on Marlon Vera. That's gonna be unbelievable. It's gonna be just unbelievable. That's it's I mean it's incredible. Uh Greg Hardy's on this. Greg Hardy's fighting Martian uh Tibura in the main event. It's a welterweight bout. No championship involved. You got number five versus number 11. You got Jeff Neal versus Stephen Thompson. It's just going to be incredible. Just incredible. And then we get into uh, Bellator. I'll talk a a couple minutes of Bellator in in the last few minutes we have here. Uh, You had... uh, a couple weeks ago, you had Pitbull over Cavallo. He made it look, it just looks silly. And then in the other semifinal for the Flyweight Grand Prix, AJ McKee had Darren Caldwell out in no time. It's it's just amazing. Those two are going to face now. You had uh, you had Juliana Velasquez beat uh, Lima Lee McFarlane. Those two girls tore it up. She got the decision win in that one. Uh, Maga Madoff with the big win in the Bantamweight over in Bellator. Uh, let's see. There was another fight. Um, Grant Neal with the submission win over uh, Maurice Jackson. Cody Law over Kenny Champion. They're just... And here's the crazy thing. Bellator Let's see, where is it? Pelator just. They just had two big signings. I, don't know, I can't find. I, I'll find those in a minute. But they just signed like two just massively, massively big former UFC guys. It looks like they're going to just bolster their two hundred five lineup. Let's see if we can find that real quick. God it is it is. Uh, oh, Rumble Johnson. They signed Rumble Johnson, and they signed. Let's see, oh, there it is, Yoel Romero. They signed Yoel Romero and Rumble Johnson, and they're both going to fight at two hundred five. Holy crap, that's that's insane. That's just insane. And the Bellator still has, they still have one more. No, Bellator two fifty five is going to be uh the first of January. It's gonna be great. Open up the first day of the year. With a big fight in Maligan Sun. I mean, how amazing is that? They haven't put the put it together yet. Everything is booming right now. Whether you're a pro wrestling fan, whether you're an MMA fan, it doesn't matter. There is so much going on. There's something for everybody. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. We went a little over an hour. I'm going to try to make these a little shorter, but I had to catch up like two or three weeks with the stuff. Um, I'm going to do a lot better trying to uh, keep everything on schedule. But for now, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in to Impact Media Presents Strong Style Impress Me. You know what impresses me? You guys made it an hour into this show. You guys are great. I'll see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses. Go watch fighting.